step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Radio. This is Justin Bradford along with Glenn Blackwell. Producer Kenny has the lighter going for the intro music behind the glass. Man, I, I love it when Kenny's here. This, I know this is a good environment. I do what I do when I can do it. And we need a good environment right now because I think a lot of people are just in a corner in the fetal position. Yes, <laughs> Justin just had to ago. remind me two seconds before. He's like, you still have your mask on. I'm like, I hate 2020. <laughs> 2020 has not 2020. been kind. And today of 2020 was not kind to the Predators, mostly due to their own fault. Yep. <laughs> uh, so we're, we're going to talk about that, but we have a fantastic show tonight just to talk about hockey, but also because we have a special guest coming on in our next segment. That's Rich Clune, former Nashville Predator. I'm sure most of you remember him because of his fantastic personality and what he's able to bring on the ice, but just off ice as well, just the kind of person that he is and the energy that he has. But to talk about his battle with substance abuse and his return to sobriety as well. Just talk about that that aspect of his life because he has a brand new documentary out. Uh, Hi, my name is Dicky. So really looking forward to having him on because it's been a few years since Smashville's really it has been, yeah. talked to him. And he was, <laughs> if I remember correctly, he was number 16 in your program and number one in your hearts, he used to say. 100% no lie. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it'll be good to have him back on it, It'll be a good conversation to change it up a little bit because I know you, you all have probably been inundated with Fred's post game right now, but it's... We, we need to keep discussing it because it's one of those things. We all have different opinions on this, but it's weird to say that when you're down 2-1 in a series, you're on the brink of elimination. We're not used to five-game nope. series in this yeah. sport. I know basketball's had it, but we're not used to five-game series. And so on the brink, when you think of all the work, two weeks of training camp, mm-hmm. then flying up, playing an exhibition game, and then before the week's done, you could be home. Yeah. And, and, you know, everybody in this league is so used to that little bit extra wiggle room, right? You've got, you've got a little bit of extra space for a, a game where you beat yourself, which is what the Predators did today. And this is, I mean, it's a very 2020 thing to happen, right? <laughs> um, but yet you don't have time for that in a best of five. You just don't have the time. You might have one game or half of a game where you can afford to slack off, beat yourself, whatever, but... They already they already did that. And so on the brink, after just a couple of days, like you said, after everything that everybody's been through, and you finally get the opportunity and it's already almost over. And just be glad they're not the New York Rangers. Oh. <laughs> you- I mean it talk, that just hurts. It hurts it hurts to think about the fans. I just I mean, you hate to see it. You hate to you see hate it. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. But <laughs> For all the good of Carolina, yeah. props to Carolina because the Rangers owned Carolina before, and then Carolina comes out and sweeps them. Whew. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Real quick. Bye. Real quick. So props <laughs> to Carolina and their fans for what they get to experience there because Carolina is in the round of 16, and they're the first ones to advance, and so it's 
interesting looking at this as well because I don't think a lot of people gave them credit, but it wasn't like a overall, yeah, Carolina Hurricanes are going to do this. Well, let's switch back to the series that we obviously need to talk about here in Nashville, which is the credit here, which is it was pretty split, I think, in terms of who was going to get the credit here in Nashville uh, between Nashville and, the, and Arizona Coyotes. And what's interesting to me is how there hasn't been much national perspective on this. Granted, the two markets aren't as big nationally, but that's changed in the in the in the near future. That's changing, but we're finding out very quickly with the Arizona Coyotes how good they are defensively, and that's something that I don't want to say wasn't talked about enough, but we're seeing it firsthand because we knew the stats on paper from the regular season and how good Darcy Kemper and Antti Ranta were as goaltenders, how good their defense was in terms of not allowing a lot of goals being scored. And we didn't know which was going to break. Were the predator was the Predators' offense going to break through, or was it going to be the goaltending and the defense stepping up for the Coyotes? Well, in two games, it's been the latter, <laughs> and we've seen that because. And, and I said this in Preds Insiders: the Arizona goaltending between Ranta and Kemper, which obviously Ranta's not fit to play right now, but especially with Kemper, Kemper is a top five goaltender when you look at his stats. Top five. Top five. And you put them both together, they're top 10, top 15 in two different categories with save percentage and goals against average. That's just not on the goaltender. That's on the defense as well. That says how good the defense is for the Coyotes. And so those little mental blips that the Predators had today, even when they were just throwing so many shots on net and couldn't get through, it's props to the Coyotes for what they've been able to accomplish in this series so far because they're taking advantage of those little things like a Craig Smith penalty Mm -hmm. near the end of the game to put the dagger in, like those little mistakes like the – Connor Garland being left wide open yep, to go in and just dipsy-doodle around Matias Ekholm with a fantastic move mm-hmm. that would be tough for any defender to stop. Dipsy-doodle is so good. I like that. <laughs> I like that phrase. But And that, that just goes to show that, yes, numbers and statistics, they matter, and what's on paper does matter to a certain degree, but it's it's what we've talked about and what a lot of people talk about often. It is how you capitalize on chances, right? And it's, I mean... A lot of people would have stacked this up and said, "This is this is the Preds. This is the Preds series to win." But when you make little mistakes and you have a team that knows how to correct those little mistakes and capitalize on that, you're going to find yourself on the losing end. And it's unfortunate, but that's what we continue to see because we continue to see the Predators not be able to pick themselves back up really quick after they make a mistake and they allow other people the opportunity to correct on that. And it. It gets you really frustrated because you got a lot of questions when you ask over and over and over, what is going on with this team? That's exactly what's going on with this team. Yeah, it's the bounce back ability. Yeah. What's what's the bounce back ability to things happening that can ruin it for you? It's that fluky goal that went off of Matt Duchesne's chest yep. in game one. What was the bounce back ability? There wasn't. There wasn't one. What was the bounce back ability? Jeez, to Duchesne being offside. Uh, <laughs> there, it was just so there fitting. There wasn't. <laughs> It's fitting, fitting. The, the Duchesne taketh and the Duchesne taketh. <laughs> that's, that's what it's been like, whether it's offside playing for the Colorado Avalanche or just, bouncing off of him. As or, frustrating as it was, I almost just had a laugh today because it was very, it was very one of those, Oh, come on! Yeah. It was basically the, the kind I literally of said out loud to, to my cat, seriously, <laughs> that, why would that not happen? And so. game of inches. Game of inches. Yeah. So, so small. And yes, it's it's... Harping on Matt Duchesne, and the reason why is when we look at this, the positioning, 
dude, why were you offside in the first place? You have control over that, and it right. wasn't by a long shot. Right. You, there was no reason. It wasn't like there was a play that was in the offensive zone, mm-hmm. and you had to hustle back, and then exactly. a turnover happened to try to get back into the offensive zone. No, it was on the breakout like that. You were, yeah, you were just there where you weren't supposed to be. <laughs> and he knows better than that. That's the thing. You know better than that. Does he? Because he did it in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. <no. laughs> and this was so far from even from that. It's just like there was nothing going on. So why were you Why were you there? Right. And, and the reason why there's so much pressure on this is because $8 million underperforming yeah. game sends you one team to the brink of elimination. You've mm-hmm. got to step it up and perform. And I talked about this with Ryan Porth and Preds Insiders. Ryan Johansson, the $8 million center, is playoff Johansson right now. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that step up. Yeah, we're not seeing it in the regular season. Yeah, but, <laughs> but you're paying him for the playoffs right now is what it seems exactly. like. Exactly. And this is when it really needs to be happening. When it counts. This is, this is when it counts. And why does it count? Because if you lose, then you're done and you're going home. Mm-hmm. That quickly. That quickly. Yeah, John Hines said they're 60 minutes from forcing a game five. But they're also 60 minutes from golfing. Exactly. Like, for a long time. Because yeah. the next season is not going to be till December or January. And it's still summer. Right now. So, Ryan Johansson, in terms of his play, he is scoring goals. He is setting up his teammates. The Joe Fallin's killing it right now. He's back-checking that little poke that he continued to do mm-hmm. twice. Picked the pocket. Then Forsberg picked it up, and it got over Arvidsson, who slapped it in for the goal, like Victor Arvidsson does when he's healthy. He's doing those little things. Matt Duchesne, where are you at? Mm-hmm. Got to see him step up because of the amount of money he's being paid, too. They are leaning on him and expect him. Everyone's expecting him to perform Way better than he has. It's only three games, yeah, but, but it you don't be, have a you don't have you don't, you have, don't have more time. games. Yeah, you don't, you have, don't time have time to get back into it. Yeah, and there's I'm sure there's plenty of things that are weighing on him. Like I'm sure they're weighing on everybody else because this is a weird time and being away from family is tough. And we spoke about this with Chase McCabe and Jeremy Gover on game night. Is that if that was a decision that's going to be tough for you to be away from family, then you probably should have opted out, and that would have been totally fine and acceptable because mm-hmm. we didn't know the situation anyways. You just don't know how the games are going to end up. They could mm-hmm. win, they could lose, whatever, and it's not on him. If you're if that was weighing on you, because it was weighing on him a mm-hmm. lot, and the questions he was being asked during training camp, you could tell it was weighing on him. He is a family man, and totally, absolutely admire that. Mm-hmm. So who knows what's going on there to where the performance is just not there for the second line? And I know it's it's rough, but it's our job to dissect these games. Yeah. And it's rough sometimes to have to do that because you know there's so many things going out in the world right now that could be weighing on people, and it's mm-hmm. unfair. That in the grand scheme of things <laughs> really are more important than a lot of things, including a hockey game. Right. But, like you said, this is what we do. And so when do. you're watching the game and you have expectations and those aren't met, you're going to discuss those. Yeah, and yeah. you're going to discuss why that why that's happening or why something's not happening. It was a $2 million raise from his previous contract. He had 10 yeah, points and, in 10 games for the Columbus And Blue where Jackets. is he? Got, got to perform. The second line's got to perform. So we'll talk more about that in our third segment. But up next, really excited, we're going to have Rich Clune coming on the line to talk about his new documentary, Hi, My Name is Dickie. And that's coming up next here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025, The Game. Gotta get dip, 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 dip. Gotta get dip. Gotta get dip. Gotta get dip. Gotta get dip. 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 And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Kenny behind the glass with those beats. And looking forward to the discussion we're about to have because this this man has done so much already and has such a great story to tell. And we welcome Rich Clune 
uh, to the show. Rich, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Hey, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank so you. we'll just we'll dive right into it, too, because the documentary is Hi, My Name is Dickie, and this just follows your journey and everything that you've experienced through your life from, from a young age through hockey making to the NHL. And I'll just first start off with just a brief synopsis of, of this documentary because it covers so much, but so many important topics uh, to you and your career and your life that what is this documentary really about? Um, I think ultimately this documentary is just about, you know, the more people that I, that I've watched it and that I've talked to after, there's a huge, you know, there's a huge family element involved in it, um, specifically with my brothers and my parents, uh, and about like love and support. And I guess the film's just about a hockey player who happens to be an alcoholic and a drug addict and uh, came to a fork in the road and ultimately chose to get help and sort of outlines the steps along how I got to that place and then sort of uh, where I'm at now and where I've been as far as my hockey career. And Rich, I watched the film last night and coming from someone who studied film production in college, it got me thinking of the differences in how we tell stories and how those stories are received throughout different mediums. And you've been very open for years with your story. But in my opinion, there's a vast difference between storytelling in print and even in audio and then telling your story visually. So for you, was there maybe this untapped dynamic, if you will, that was there for you, not only while you were filming, but also when you were watching the film back after it was done. Oh, that's, yeah, that's that's a really uh, insightful acknowledgement, Glenn, and um, it's nice to talk to you. Um, I know we haven't talked in a while. It's been a few uh, years. I hope you're well. <laughs> yeah. No, man, I miss Nashville a lot. I loved it there. But to answer your question, um, you're, you're absolutely right, and as far as the process of the difference between sort of written word and an interview as uh, in compared to on-screen film um, it's completely different, you know, especially uh, in, in the film. Obviously I become quite emotional at times and um, it was a new, you know, I'd never done anything like that. And I've had opportunities over the years and um, yeah, I just felt like it was the right time for me and I really loved the vibe I got from the filmmakers uh, when I met them and they had done some work prior and I really liked the films they had made before and I knew they were just going to put their heart and soul into the film and they clearly did an unbelievable job. Um, the choices they made and the selections and the way they wanted to go with it, I was really impressed with and um, watching it back, I watched it for the first time in its entirety the other week on iTunes and uh it was tough for me. And, and, you know, I don't think anybody in general likes to watch themselves or listen to themselves, but I, I really enjoyed watching some of the other people in the film speak. And I just thought that, you know, um, everybody, my brothers, the doctor, uh, Dr. Tarman, some of the people that I've met through hockey, it was just, uh, it was really cool. And I think that there's so much that people from any age can take away from you and how you choose to show up for yourself every day. It's a choice that you make every single day. And in the movie, you talked about the simplest act of waking up every morning and making your bed and mm -hmm. how that in some way provides a sense of structure because you've already accomplished something, right? And so for people yeah. that haven't really considered something that simple when they're trying to become more disciplined, and this can be, you know, 
wherever they're at in life, whether that's becoming a better athlete or a better parent or overcoming a mental illness, anything. Um, Can you kind of expand on that idea? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that part of the film's caught on quite a bit. And I think, you know, when I was, you know, 10 plus years ago, getting exposed to treatment and recovery and um, clearly showing up into these places in the lowest, you know, darkest point of my life and very angry and full of hate and fear and confusion. And, you know, they told me to make my bed in the morning and I basically like, it made me even more mad because I couldn't for the life of me fathom how this could have anything to do with the problem that I can't stop abusing cocaine and alcohol. And they just told me to, to trust the process. And I kicked and screamed for a while, but it's very difficult to, it's very difficult to process that sort of thing. And it doesn't sound very profound at first, but it's become, it's just sort of, it's very, it's like a, um, it signifies just sort of how you do anything is sort of how you do everything. And there's a guy by the name of uh, Jordan Peterson, who, who's a, um, you know, a very intelligent man that I've been exposed to over the years. And he, he talks about cleaning your, your personal space and how it's a direct sort of manifestation of your, your mental health and, and, and what's going on inside of you. And yeah, it's, I think for someone, especially a drug addict or an alcoholic who's very low on self-esteem and these things can affect your personal hygiene and just your, your order in your life, the simple act of doing that every morning as a habit, it's really become something that I, I can't even live without. It would just feel wrong if I didn't do it. But, um, you know, it might sound stupid like you referenced, but it really does trigger my brain and prime my brain to be able to make decisions throughout the day. There's another there's another part in treatment that I remember. We, there was a rule that we had to shave every morning. Um, you had to be clean shaven with a razor. And similar to the bed thing, I just thought that it was just like, you know, another control thing and, and, and they just wanted to have ultimate power over us and, I was, you know, clearly not seeing things straight and, um, you know, the weeks go on and go on and go on. And I finally, I kind of clued into this myself. And I remember asking one of the counselors, I said, do you guys make us shave because you want us to look in the mirror every morning? And he said, yeah, you're absolutely right. Because a lot of people, when they're so depressed and angry and addicted and all those things and suicidal, they don't want to look in the mirror. And that one habit of making a shave and obviously, you know, they want us to look presentable, but eventually you look in the mirror every morning and you, you like, I think halfway through my treatment, I actually started to like what I had seen because I really didn't look in the mirror for the longest time. So it's little things like that. It was, you know, very, almost like Zen Buddhist, like, and, um, it, you know, even now more so than ever, these things are so important to me and there's a whole other side of it, but these simple things I think have, uh, people have started to catch on to have seen the film and found it interesting. And, and it really truly shows how important of, of a topic this is to openly be discussing and having discussions, especially we see in hockey as well. And, and again, joining us right now is Rich Clune, former national predator, uh, in Toronto Marlies as well about his new documentary. Hi, my name is Dickie. 
And so, Rich, looking at this, too, the, the amount of time in Nashville, and we see in the film, too, uh, Barry Trotz, Mike Fisher have yeah. a little bit of a yeah. role in that, too. Just the connections you developed with, with those guys, how much did that help you in terms of sobriety and having their support as well? Because I know Nashville was kind of a place, too, where they were willing to support guys that are trying yeah. to make right decisions and, and move on with their lives in a positive manner. Yeah. I mean, I uh, looking back on my days with the Predators – it was honestly some of the best days I've ever had. And everyone in that organization is unbelievable at what they do from, from the ownership um, down through David Poyle. And, you know, there's too many people to name, but I remember my first day in Nashville, um, Barry Trotz just essentially, he didn't even call me into his office. We were standing by the coffee and he just said, Hey, let's have a coffee. And we stood up and, and right away, he just made me feel so, um, just very, he just basically said, you know, I understand where you've been. I know where you're at now. Uh, I'm very familiar with alcoholics that are in recovery. And then he talked about Jordan Tutu and Brian McGratton and, and some other people that, that he, that he had coached or, you know, were very influential in his life. And so within five minutes of meeting Barry, for him to, to go that deep and into me, A, I mean, just man-to-man, human-to-human, I, I clearly felt supported and welcomed and and seen. But then, you know, you go as far as a player coach. I mean, I think people can look back, and some of those days with Nashville is the best hockey I've ever played, and a lot of it has to do with because of the connection I built with Barry right away, and I was just willing to go through a wall for him uh, physically, emotionally, you know, and I think he's had that impact on many players, but it takes a special, it takes a special person to be able to acknowledge those things. And, um, yeah, like I said, I, I have nothing but good things to say about my time in Nashville. I fell in love with the city. It was extremely difficult for me to leave, but, uh, I'm grateful for the time I had there. Well, I know you still have plenty of fans here in Nashville because we mentioned the name Rich Clune, <laughs> and people just lighten up because of the personality and the type of positivity you expanded on people and the great one-liners as well from you too, just because great interviews, uh, because it's just a, be- a beacon of light, which is great to say too, because people need that. Personality is, is great in athletes and being open to sharing your experience is so important, um, especially because yeah. there's so many people that can relate to this that don't feel comfortable talking about the subject matter, but it's okay to talk about it. And I, we can't leave you without doing a lightning round because I know it's been a serious conversation, but I know Glenn had some questions because we can't let you go without yeah, a little man. bit of That's some fun, dicky dude. attitude. That's fun. <laughs> fun. Okay, lightning round, go. All right, Netflix All right. show or shows that you got into during quarantine? Ozark on Netflix. I was completely enamored and it can consume my mind for about seven days when I watched three seasons in seven days. Okay. It took me a little bit longer, but same. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Darlene. How about Darlene? Oh, Darlene is terrifying, Rich. She's the, she's the scariest. Yeah. Naturally. Uh, (laughs) She's a scary character. Okay. Movies, comedy or horror. Wow. Uh, Horror. Okay. Driving, passenger or driver? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I love to be driven. You are to be driven. <laughs> you driving. 
You would. Yeah, you know that movie Driving Miss Daisy. I always you, say Driving Miss Daisy. I can Daisy. see it now. <laughs> That'll be your next film because you're you're in movies, you're doing everything. So, yeah. um, lastly, will Dallas ever erect a statue of you? <laughs> wow. Because I know Nashville you know did what? not honor that request. Now, but... you know what you know what you're doing, right? Is like <laughs> you're you're that? you're summoning the demon <laughs> and you're now you're you're awakening something that I just don't know if we need that. I'm stirring but the pot. But... <laughs> I will say I will say you know, no, that's never happened and uh who knows. <laughs> All Hopefully right, well, one day. Yeah, maybe one day. Well, before we yeah. let you go, Rich, um, Kyle Dubas said in the documentary that it's it's hard to place a value on what you bring to the organization in Toronto and how that how you lend yourself to other people, whether you're actively doing that or you're simply doing it through telling your story and making someone else feel comfortable and safe enough to tell their story. And this this myself included, I think you you impacted a lot of people in Nashville when you came and were so open and vulnerable. And I know that's a lot of the reason why the fan base here in Nashville felt so connected to you. Um, and that's not coming from a place of, of ego. It's more of just so much self-awareness that you have within yourself that you've impacted people's lives without realizing it. So we really do appreciate you coming on tonight, sharing your mind with us. Um, the film is brilliant. It's fantastically done. So where can people find more information on the film and where can they stream it? Um, right now they can stream it on iTunes, Apple TV, um, and they can purchase it there for rent or to own. And also um, a huge part of, of me making this film is I'd love to give back to, uh, you know, just different mental health and uh, addiction initiatives globally. So that's a huge part from myself and the filmmakers that portion of the streaming revenue will, will be donated to different um different charities and, and organizations in that front. And um, thank you for all the kind words you've said. Uh, you've really uh, brightened up my day, just reminiscing on Nashville. And thanks a lot for having me on and for supporting the film. And I will catch you guys down the road. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Rich. We really appreciate it. And just thank you for what you're doing. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you guys. Have a good night. You, you too. too. Folks, Rich Clune. you can follow him on Twitter at Rich Clune. Nice and simple there. But yes, iTunes, Apple TV, it's it's extremely affordable too. Please rent it, buy it. It's it. only a dollar more to buy it. Yeah. I bought it watch because it. you never know when you want to watch. Watch it. it. This is something yeah. that we've talked about plenty of times here about mental health and really focus on that too. Especially we see so many things that happen in junior hockey and how it sets up bad habits for players mm-hmm. and we need an outlet because we've seen this happen. We've talked to folks from the Ontario Mental Health Association on this show that it is very important and vital, especially the times that we're living in. Have conversations. I, it's crucial. Is Last it? night, for me, I received a call from one a Preds fan that goes on our trips with us for Penalty Box Radio. Mm-hmm. He just called me. He was doing a status check because mm-hmm. he knows the situation, me being unemployed from my day job, mm-hmm. and just the situation that we've all been dealing with with the pandemic. It, it takes a toll on mental health. Even if you don't show it publicly, yep. it still takes a toll. And that meant a lot to me just to have a status yeah. check. Hey, just call in to see how you're doing. And want you just to hear my voice in. and hear your voice. It's better than a text sometimes, too, just to hear somebody's voice, yep. especially when you can't have face-to-face all the time. So just saying that, passing that along is check on someone. Yeah. If, if you haven't talked to them in a while, just give them a little quick ring. Even if it's just a voicemail that you have to leave, it's good to hear somebody else's voice at times. Yeah. Mental health is, is very important it to is. us. Yeah, and we, we try to talk about that as often as we can, and that's why it was awesome to have Rich come on the show and because he's just so well-spoken, and he's just so well-developed. He's so well developed 
And it's just, it's very, very powerful to hear somebody that's walked through all those phases in their life to where they are now. Absolutely. Okay. Up next, back to Predators talk. What should happen now? What The Predators are on the brink of elimination. We're going to discuss that up next here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN, 1025 The Game. And I forgot we were on there. We were having a dance party. I wish y'all actually I don't wish you could have seen that. All three of us were having a grand old time. Always happens with with Kenny back there. Uh, Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game. This is Justin Bradford along with Glenn Blackwell. Man, producer Kenny never lets us down. Mm-hmm. Never, never, ever lets us down. I love it. Slide, slide. Fun, yeah, the fun doesn't stop when we're off air. It's so, it just keeps going. <laughs> exactly. Well, 100% no lie. I am so glad we had Rich well Clune on this show. I am too. That was I'm, fantastic. If you missed it, folks, we'll have it posted on a podcast because of all the interviews we've done on this show, that is one you're going to have to go back and listen to mm-hmm. because it's, I want to I don't want to say life-changing, but it'll give you so much different perspective on life. It will. And I think that Justin and I were just talking in between the breaks. This league needs more of that. Rich Clune is a necessity in this league for people who are his age and also people who are younger coming up in the ranks. It's just, it's a necessary conversation to have. Um, and so we were very glad that he decided to join us tonight and share that with us because it's Justin and I try on this show to make sure that we prioritize the conversation of mental health when we can because it is that necessary. It's something that I had to, I had to face my own demons years ago, um, and it's just it's necessary. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's, yeah, and it's, it's, necessary, it's, a, it's necessary to be vulnerable. It's necessary to be vulnerable. Yeah, it's you okay. have to. It's okay. I know a lot of sports fans listening. It's okay to talk about your feelings. You may giggle. Mm-hmm. You may laugh. But it's okay to talk about your feelings. And people like Rich Clune out there you have guys that have made it to the pros and there's so there's more and more of them. it's growing it's growing more and more of them are willing to talk about things that affect their lives because and about they, some of the issues that we see in society too. yeah and they start to realize how it shifts their own life and so they're they're wanting to be able to share that Absolutely. with other people especially in junior hockey mm-hmm. that there's some there's still issues that need to be worked out in junior hockey that we see especially with drug and alcohol abuse that started at a very young age mm-hmm. when kids are very impressionable to fit in or to be part of the, the quote-unquote culture of yep. things. So it's a discussion that we need to have. We don't have a lot of time to discuss it tonight. Yeah, but um, go watch the film. watch the film. Go watch, watch the, the film. Watch the film. It'll open a perspective, and especially with the Nashville connection, too, to keep you really involved with it, mm-hmm. <laughs> with Rich Clune, Barry Trotz, Mike Fisher, uh, being involved in the story. And it, as you know, if you've been around watching the Predators for a long time, too, there have been the history of being very supportive, supportive of, of players that have had – issues with with substance abuse that have had history with that like you said brian mcgratton and jordan tutu um it, it's just something absolutely feel please go watch it apple itunes okay on to the predators now the problems facing them glenn john hines was asked about lineup changes and he's like for something that we'll look into we may discuss that da 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 <laughs> for friday's game four which is at 130 keeping consistent there mm-hmm. what changes would you make if any at least they're consistent with the time. That's good. <laughs> Something's consistent. That's great. <laughs> I mean, well, the pro- this is my mindset, and obviously anybody can agree, disagree. I've, they will. Yeah, and they will, <laughs> and that's fine. But 
my thing is is that I think change has to come from a mental from a mental place. I do not know how many changes that you're going to make that are just going to completely just shift this momentum and all of a sudden they're just going to blow out the Coyotes. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that they've been set up with this lineup. I think the reason why he played them again today is because he knows that it's out there. And so I think that the change has got to come from a mental place. I just, I, that's, I mean, it, you might be able to throw somebody in and out, but they've got to what we talked about earlier they have got to get back in the headspace of playing their game like they know how to play their game. Like and you their hope game they know how to play. The, exactly because <laughs> we have with the majority of this core, we've watched them where they would go out and do something destructive and ridiculous, but yet the fans weren't that worried because they knew they could bounce back. There was a time when we saw this happen with this core. So I think that it's gotta come from them mentally. They've got to hit a big reset, and they have to go out there, and they have to correct the mistakes that they made. Don't leave people wide open in the slot. Don't let, don't be offside. <laughs> don't, 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 don't. Just don't just be offside. Don't. If, if nothing else, don't be offside. <laughs> and do not give teams that just repeat opportunity to capitalize on your mistakes. Stop doing that. Stop. Sounding like a mother over here. Stop. (laughs) Stop it. Right now. So for me, I'm taking Jared Tenorti out. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, that too. But. (laughs) I know. So because these are my takes, uh, taking him out and replacing with Dan Hamhuse and then discuss this on Preds Insiders as well. Austin Watson, while he has been okay, he had that big hit, which was a legal hit on OEL today. He hasn't been on the penalty kill, which is one of the reasons why you would usually play him. And so for more of an offensive upside, I would like to see Colin Blackwell enter the lineup because he will be buzzing around the net. Now, granted, Austin Watts was doing that today too. But if there's a player to scratch out, I think it would be him. He I, I, he must have earned his way back in through training camp with John Hines because he was pretty much being a perma scratch before the pause, and Colin Blackwell had that role. But I'd like to see Blackwell given the chance. There, to me – there needs to be some sort of lineup change, even if it's one player. you got to make a change. You can't just expect them to just click it in again when you're on the brink of elimination. You have to change it up a little bit. It doesn't have to be blanket changes, but change something up a little bit that will kickstart them. And we are on the brink of elimination. We are about to go home after we've done all this work for three weeks to be really safe, which you should be doing anyways, <laughs> to make good decisions, to travel, to be separated from your families. And like when T.S. Ekholm, when I asked him about think about the sacrifice because his family's in Sweden – so his young child and new wife are in Sweden waiting on him and the sacrifice he's made to be away from them. He's like, well, that needs to inspire me to go play because if we win, then that sacrifice is worth it. Use yeah. that. Feed from that, that the sacrifice you're making to be away from your family right now, go and win. And not that saying you have game. to go win the Stanley Cup, but you've got to bounce back. In the mental game, you got to bounce back. You have mm-hmm. to have the bounce back ability yep. to get back into this and – Know that you have to win two in a row. No matter you have to win two in a row. No matter what you do, you have to win Friday and Saturday to keep going. Mm-hmm. And they're sixty minutes away from doing it, like John Hines said. But they're sixty minutes away from being done. Yep. All right. Up next, we have plenty of questions that are asked on Twitter. We're going to address those up next here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN one zero two five. The game. I found you finally. You make me- 
me wanna say oh 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 my god Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Kenny, and hands are in the air like we just don't We're, care. We got to do this live next week. <laughs> that was awesome. That, <laughs> that we got to get you on. We got to get it. you on Twitter. Yes, Lord. Oh man. Oh my gosh. That reminds me of the one commercial with. Oh my gosh. For the. But it's an insurance. No, it's a tax commercial. I think H and R Block, mm-hmm. where the guy's just throwing his arms up in the air. I this looked, is how we do it. <laughs> I looked like one of those inflatable things at the car lot. Oh, wacky waving inflatable flying arm tube. That would have been epic. I <laughs> wacky waving inflatable flying arm tube. That's what they're called. Very yeah, nice. I'll let you say yeah, it. Thank you. Thank I you. can't. Yeah, wacky waving inflatable flying arm tube. I just say the yeah, twice. <laughs> the guy at the car. The guy at the car shop. At the car shop. Yeah. Anywhere. You buy them. Okay. <laughs> so we have a few questions. Some fun, some not fun. I won't tell you which ones are which, but we're going to try to we'll answer as much as we decide. can. let you decide. This one's from Craig. Might as well start off with actual discussion here instead of, mm-hmm. you know, pandas. <laughs> what does Poyle do, if anything, if his should-be deep playoff containing team get routed by the Coyotes in the qualifying round? So if they get eliminated, I think Poyle even said it before that some changes will be made, and I'm totally with that, that Trades have to be made. You mm-hmm. have to, I don't want to say fully blow it up, but you have to change at least three players around. Yeah, because you've already brought in a new coach, and if you continue to have the same issues, the especially if you can't get past the qualifying round, then that's that's on them at that point. It's on the players. Now, yep. granted, the qualifying round in terms of seeds, it's weird. They've been off for four and a half months, so it's hard to base the seeds on the regular season, but they had to do that. But this team should be... Mm-hmm. doing more than that just based on the talent on paper and yeah i'm saying on the talent on paper fully admitting that they're not living up to the standard that they should be right now yeah. at, by all means so you got to change it up and that means he's probably gonna have to eat some money but a change is going to be made you cannot roll out with the same roster because you're gonna get the same results same results and i'm not talking <laughs> about a bottom six player you've got to change the you top have to six make, up yeah you have to make a major change you gotta you gotta make a major change and that's gonna be one of those things that people are gonna be like but why him because it had to because be. Because somebody. Because somebody say, bought him. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so somebody somebody bought that trade. It's like, okay, I'll take it. And it's going to be where it's probably going to be on the losing end of a trade or for prospects and picks and not a hockey trade. It's going to be very difficult to make a hockey trade unless you're getting rid of a Philip Forsberg. And I don't think he'd be the one to get rid of. But I think yeah. there's a lot of names that will be out there just like, sure, make yeah. a change. I mean, yeah, you watch how the team has – you can't really say progressed or digressed, whichever you want to say, <laughs> since 2017. And it's like it, they're not heading in the right direction if they can't get past this. So no. This one comes from Mr. Chase uh, McCabe. Do you like oh, pandas? Chase. No, I love pandas. <laughs> My mom calls me panda. So she oh. always sends me the panda emoji when she That's tells awesome. me she loves me. So I love them. So you should have seen my reaction when, when we took Penalty Box Radio uh, fans for a trip to Washington last mm-hmm. year. And this is, this is the mom's game in Washington, okay. D.C., okay? okay? But obviously had a few extra days up there, so got to go to the Smithsonian Zoo, which is free because our tax dollars pay for it, so it should mm-hmm. be free. <laughs> and they have pandas there. And so this is my first experience seeing pandas. And it's obviously it's a beautiful exhibit there. They're obviously working on 
resources and, and saving the pandas and everything like that, too. Mm-hmm. But me seeing them for the first time was like reverting back to a little child being excited on Christmas Day. That's what it was like oh, for me. Oh, I love it. Seeing them eat the bamboo and roll around like the bubbly bears that they are. <laughs> I love how lazy they can look sometimes so when they're eating and they're just laying there. <laughs> I just, you know, sometimes I just desire and to how, be that level of chill. And how they have zero balance. And we'll just toss and tumble. <laughs> and they could be climbing up something and, whoops, I did it again. <laughs> Chase is probably like, if he's listening, wow, I was not expecting this much detail and depth on the band. This is, this is what you get on PBR. It's, it's nighttime. Hey, when you ask us a question about animals, we're going to go there. Yeah, it's a PBR around sunset. Yeah, not, <laughs> not, after not dark quite yet. after dark anymore. But so, uh, This one comes from Rebecca. Is Peck's hurt? Why aren't they playing him too? So I know people have been asking this because you're so used to seeing Pecorine, right? It's been... Oh, a decade, <laughs> over a decade mm-hmm. since Pecorine has not started a playoff game and it's been used to stars. Now, Dan Ellis was the last starting goaltender in the playoffs. That was a long time ago. Jeez, yeah. That was against the San Jose Sharks. So he's not hurt. He's the backup right now. Used to stars has taken that number one spot uh, away and he's earned it. He's obviously earned it. Pecorine, I think, is capable, uh, but they wanted to change it up. John Hines changed it up and Saros has been overall good, but not mm-hmm. elite yet, I don't think. But mm-hmm. the team has to play better in front of him. Yeah, I think that Saros, there was no reason for them to not start him at the the way that he was playing. I think that it's it's natural for most people in Nashville to assume that Pecorine is going to start because he always has, right? But at some point, if UC Saros deserved that start, he's going to get that start. And I think that that was Hines saying, mm-hmm. this is nothing against Pecorine. No, it's, it's not. It's just, this was... You say Saros is time to start. It is. That's all it was, I think. And here we go. Teresa Walker from the AP. It's funny in the postgame uh, interviews, the press conference today. Uh, she asked uh, about being only 60 minutes away from elimination. And oh. John Hines quickly <laughs> quipped, yeah, we're only 60 minutes away from forcing a game five. So she asked, how many minutes are the Preds away from game five? 60 minutes. 60 minutes is the answer. <laughs> and maybe some change <laughs> if they have to force overtime, but 60 minutes. Uh, this funny. one comes from um, Radic Bort. Uh, y'all ever heard of Kelvin Fiala? Uh, Kelvin <laughs> F- Kevin Fiala Kevin, is the joke. Kevin Fiala. Kevin Fiala has been killing it for the wild, even though they're not doing the best. He's been killing it. I know a lot of Predators fans are having buyer's remorse mm-hmm. <laughs> with or trader's remorse with that too. But Kevin Fiala is in a position now where he's able to be a top scorer for the Minnesota Wild, and he looks happy and he is fully accelerating there mm-hmm. and thriving. This is one of those times where I wish we could just get Daniel Lavender on really quick and just ask him. <laughs> Kevin! Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Fiala! So, uh, Kevin Fiala, huh? How, how we can ask him that? in all different ways. We're very creative. <laughs> so this one comes from Dave. Uh, we need a power forward more than a third overpriced center. Uh, they have to expose tourists to Seattle, right? It's really difficult to talk about Seattle right now. And the reason why is the big if of what happens at the end of this season knowing that it could be done on Friday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if it ends on Friday, then obviously this team is going to be different in the next season because the expansion draft is not until after next season. So therefore, it's hard to speculate that. It's hard to speculate on any player because any player we speculate might even be part of the team. Yeah, they may be under contract, but there's going to be plenty of trades I think that will happen if this team loses early in the playoffs to where if throws out any speculation about the Seattle expansion draft out the window, I say you can start speculation when the next season starts. You can start it there because then you're based on a performance of the players that are with that team then, but you can't do it right now because you have to finish this season and this free agency to get there. 
And no, Pecorine is probably not going to Seattle because he'll be a UFA, and it's not they're not going to waste their pick of an expansion draft on Pecorine. It's going to be someone else, and it's going to be a forward or a defenseman, and they're probably going to go with that model where they have to protect, I'm assuming the 7-3 maybe model. We'll see. We'll see. Plenty of changes are going to happen there. So let's see. The next one is from Chris of the Scratched Players. Who could they bring into the lineup that would make the biggest difference? Biggest difference? I mean, shoot, if you really want to get uh, mix it up here, you could throw Ellie Tolvin in, in there, but I don't think that would happen because he really hasn't played with the system in the Predators yet. So I'll go back to what I said in the third uh, segment is I'd like to see Colin Blackwell come in because I just think offensive upside in the fourth line and depth scoring is what this team needs but I just don't see John Hines scratching anybody else aside from someone that's in the bottom six. I just don't think it's going to happen. Glenn? No, I echo that. And I, like I said earlier, you got, you can bring Colin Blackwell in, and I think that would make a difference to a certain degree, but you've got you've to gotta get your mental game right. Yeah, it does you come gotta, down to mental that's mistakes. That's the biggest difference right there. Don't be offside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't make don't those mental mistakes. Be- <laughs> Play your position. Be where you're supposed to be. All those, all those little things. Don't leave people hanging out. <laughs> don't leave people hanging out for for seconds that feel like minutes. Hey, hey, what are you forwards doing loitering right there? Get, get, get out of here. <laughs> don't make me get the hose. <laughs> <laughs> what a reference. Oh, what a reference. Good. Anyways, thank you everyone for tuning in. If you missed any of the show, it'll be on PenaltyBoxRadio.com. You can... Look at our coverage on PenaltyBoxRadio.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For producer Kenny Behind the Glass and Glenn Blackwell, this is Justin Bradford. Thank you so much for listening to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game.